0: Log Talk Radio everybody and welcome to Fright Talk. Today is March 23rd, 2021. And it is 7 p.m. And thank you for joining us on this wonderful night. Along with me, as always, is my very good friend, Billy B.J. Jones. And I am Nadine Tabs, and we are here to welcome you into a whole hour of some horror and fright. And today's topic, we are going to journey into the darker reaches of New Orleans. As we discuss Madame LaLaurie, as we look at, uh, we celebrate Women's History Month. We celebrate the accomplishments and achievements of women. We've also dedicated a few shows to the darker side of some of these famous uh, madams. So she was a 19th century torturer and serial killer, but she did have a heavy influence in American pop culture. And we're going to be discussing that tonight. If at any time you'd like to speak to us. You can call in at 347-539-5372. Again, the number is 347-539-5372. Or you can always email your questions in if you're a little shy and you don't want to call in. Or any requests that you may have at everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. Again, that's everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com or frighttalkguys at gmail.com. You can always direct message us on Instagram. It is open, tabs, or at Dr. Billy Jones or at right talk, guys. And let's dive right into this. My dear friend, Billy, how are you? I'm great.
1: It's Tuesday night, and we appreciate all of our listeners, even if we get a, a smaller than average but still presence, we hope. <laughs> oh, audience, we, we're grateful to do this this special night. And and this topic, it, like Nadine said, it's so incredible. I myself knew about this topic back in 2000, And so while we're, as we're chatting, I'll I'll share a very interesting story that kind of ties this in. I I just find that the history itself, you know what's funny of all the history reviews that we do of some of the targeted or focused um, folks that we do, this one was just enough. Do you agree? Unlike the Zodiac killer that had a lot going on, that that Mm -hmm. was a lot, right? That was a lot lot to unpack, you know, but this one was like very straightforward. And it also speaks to some of our, postmodern perspectives of the, 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 um, faith, what do you call her? The, the fatale, you know, the, the, you know, the femme fatale. the, the
0: femme whole fatale, idea,
1: yes. you know, the whole idea of the, the curse of the black widow. I think this story is just like the perfect example.
0: Yeah. And I agree with you. You know, last year we talked about women serial killers and, uh, Madame Laura Larie, she, she was on a different level. And when we've discussed uh, history components of historical things that have happened within the horror genre, this one is one of those that has a direct connection to slavery, especially in the deep south of New Orleans. And uh, so it's going to be very interesting to see because this idea of this woman who is a socialite of, sur- of sorts is able to uh, put on this charade in front of people of being this very affluent, uh, well-respected madam, and behind the closed doors of her mansion, there were people being tortured. And, and we're going to get into the details of that, but it's just fascinating to me how one person put on a charade that society accepted, but behind closed doors, she was somebody else.
1: And I deem her early history is quite interesting. She was Her story, the common thread I found is that she's always seemed to find herself, uh, whether it be in relationships and of course by her birth and circumstances that were more fortunate, like she was more privileged, privileged yes. in many ways. So we're speaking of, I mean, uh, and it, hence the name Madame, but although Madame is one that is an endearing one of her era to be, right. especially with the European Creole influence there. Interesting enough, she was born into a family that was prominent. You know, in the European Creole community, actually, and and grew up, I mean, her father, for instance, was involved, her uncle, actually, um, by marriage was part of uh, the governor of a Spanish Ameri- of the American, American provinces. I mean, so there is this, all this story of unpacking. So she comes from the aristocracy of, of her period. And then through that, she goes through these series of marriages, which is quite interesting, I should say. And I yeah. find the number three, which I'll say to our reader, our listener, the number three is very significant here. <laughs> We've seen it, we discussed it in previous shows, how the number three, if you add a number in front of it, it adds another space here. But the number three here plays an interesting number because it was strike three, right? On strike three, she was out. No, based on the things you said earlier, it was in that third marriage when a lot of the discoveries of what we know today of the lore of her background became eminent among the community. And what's even more interesting is that there are records, there are actual records to account for her existence. So unlike some of the other things, like the Zodiac, there were records too. But this one is different where there were some, you know, the newspapers were fascinated with this story and the townspeople were equally angry as well and took justice in their own hands. And mm-hmm. so the story itself revolves from her upbringing. I never, uh, you tell me, I mean, you in your in, own in investigation, did you find anything about her that led to the this, this situation such as trauma, childhood trauma, um, circumstances? This is so different. Mm-hmm. From some of right. the other characters we've discussed right where you know the right. trauma we can e- immediately dismiss that with an ever gain right we can play that into the possibilities perhaps of a, of, of a zodiac or, or some of the other female serial killers that we talked about these trauma circumstances but this one's different very different
0: yeah so based upon my research and as far as you know what's documented she did not mm-hmm. have traumatic experiences that led her to do the things that she did. Now, folks, for those of you that are listening, uh, Madame uh, Lollery is known for, the, we come to find out, she was a slave owner, as many people were in the New Orleans South. And she, essentially, they find out that she is torturing and killing slaves in, in the most brutal of ways. And so eventually the the townspeople, you know, revolt against her and and so on and so forth. We're going to get into those details. But I didn't see anything specific about what drove her to do these things or what made her snap. She had her first husband did, I believe it was her first husband that passed away uh, in Cuba, even though he was Spaniard, perhaps. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. Okay.
0: but He passed away in Cuba. I don't know if that was a trigger. Um, you know, Billy, I read through some of the things that she did and to these poor people and um it's actually, I mean, horror movies would have a hard time coming up with this stuff.
1: Hmm, that's interesting to say that. I I was thinking there have been some attempted accounts in pop culture over the past mm-hmm. two decades to recount aspects or dimensions of this story, but they've never not once has anyone touched it at the magnitude to give it a full focus. It's always been incorporated within the backdrop or storyline of a movie, such as the St. Francisville Experiment, or behind the the elements of American Horror Story Season 3. And so those are some more latter-day examples, but it could make for some great production production, because yeah. I, I, we talked about this before, Nadine, that the world is looking for something new. It's looking for some yeah. new, you know, not more than just to been there, done that, something great and looking for a new instance. And I could say that in the prediction that we made at the beginning of the year when we did our January 1st show, made some predictions and one of the predictions that I, I shared then was, for me now because people have been more focused at home and stationed at home because of COVID, it's made yeah. them survey the landscape of home. And I think horror will begin to emanate some new things from those locations because people have had time to sit still and really take in and absorb the historical aspects of their home.
0: Yeah, and I agree with that. And I also think that a lot of you know homes are structures, but they have a history. Yeah. You know, especially if you're in an older home, and if you're in a home in anywhere really. Uh, That home has a history, and some histories are really good. Uh, Maybe you're the first homeowner. But then there's other stories we hear about that when maybe it's the home was built on a land it wasn't supposed to be built on. Or, you know, maybe it's an older structure and something happened to somebody many moons ago and that wasn't disclosed to the buyer. And so, you know, those things do take into account. But, yeah, Billy, I'm waiting for that that next big horror scene to drop and i agree with you i think it's going to happen this year i'm curious as to to what it is going to be now i know that in some of the and i know you've read in detail the some of the things that she did to her slaves mm-hmm. um you know i read uh you know she had a cook that she chained to the stove and starved them to death um i read that she had uh, bodies, and one was completely wrapped in somebody else's intestines. And the reason they know this is because when the, the townspeople eventually caught wind of this, they stormed the mansion. Well, actually, they went in there because there was a fire, correct? Right. There was a fire that started, right,
1: which is alleged that it was started by, you know, the slave that, the slave that you mentioned who was shackled in the kitchen? It mm-hmm. was alleged that she actually started it as, an, as a suicide attempt. Um, but ah. later, it ended up attracting the attention of individuals the community. And there was always this this whispers because when you're already at the top end of high society, right, people are always going to look at you and talk about you. So she was right. uh, which was, w- was kind of like crazy in this situation. It's like, lady, you are already in this situation where you're in the aristocracy of the, of the era. People know you. you are a staple in the community of the higher bourgeois. And then here you are doing these crazy things. And, not, and these right. people have families. So some of these slaves, you know, they have family members who all of a they complained about hearing stories of people just disappearing, their loved ones no longer being around. Folks did frequent the house to help maintain it for services. So people would come in and, and see accounts, small accounts of strange and peculiar things. Um, and so, but people think, just like we see today, Nadine, think about this. People think because you have money, you can ride the law. And so that's right this was a, and, and, and she from her first husband came into money she had she had some impact he had you know socioeconomic advantage there her her second husband, no different, he died also though okay he died mm. before her as well, you know, and the first husband she was married, and the gentleman died in Havana, he died of whatever reasons those were um but she was um also pregnant at the time with her first daughter, her child right. And then the second situation happens again, and then here we go with strike three, um, or her third husband, which is Lalari, the the husband whose name yes. he takes after. And it's alleged, by the way, that he was at the house. They had some some relationship issues, but it was alleged that he was at the house at the day of the fire when the house burned down.
0: This Once was a doctor. He was a doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and, and so so when the townspeople go to help with the fire, then they start seeing all these atrocities uh that have taken place. Now, in the New Orleans South, believe it or not, as ridiculous as it sounds, they had laws that slaves were supposed to be treated uh, in a different way, in, in a better way, which is right. ridiculous right. because if you are a slave, you're not being treated well at all. So, that's, you know, it, it's irrelevant. But even more than that is, you know, Billy, I looked at the image of where this mansion is. I looked at this image and there's something, I have to be honest, there's something that freaked me out about it. And I want to share this. This mansion is three stories, which still stands today, by the way,
1: mm-hmm.
0: is right there on the street. I mean, people pass past this mansion. You know what I mean? There, There's not this like long entryway where it's kind right. of like deep right. hidden into its own property. No, this is straight up in the city. People walk by it all the time. And to think that people would be walking by and just on the other side of a wall would be Mm -hmm. somebody being tortured or multiple people being tortured in that fashion. um, I find that to be very creepy.
1: It is smack in the center of things. And you're absolutely right. Just, you know, inches away, a few feet away from the outside world, but the wall separating what three or four, you know, three feet difference. So many atrocities within. And, and you know, what's interesting, this house, um, it was it burned to the ground in 1834, and because the townspeople seized it, but and then folks of course re-erected a new house in the place of it, right? Right. And she alleged it's alleged that she she fled to France. Yes. To, to get away. There's all these speculations that she died at 62. Folks are claiming there's a grave, but that's where the movie, the St. Francisville experiment that I saw back in 2000. I actually used it. And show, shared it with my eleventh grade, my juniors when I was teaching American Lit for eleventh grade. I shared that film. It creeped them out, and it was just it came out a year after Blair Witch, and it was based on St. Francisville, this house in New Orleans that used the entire backdrop and name of Madame LaLaurie, and and oh. then things start happening in the house. And I'll be honest, had that movie come out before Blair Witch it would have been astounding. It was so good. It was like a doc. Imagine like one of those movies is like a Blair Witch. It followed in the spirit of, hey, when a docu-series, quarter thing, you're live, you know, before there was YouTubing and things start happening in the house, it was impressive what happened there. It creeped my students out. They screamed. I jumped when I first saw it. It was perfect. It was so much better to me than Blair Witch ever would have been.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and the fact that it's real, right? That real yeah. element makes it that much more, you know, compelling. And, you know, folks, for those of you listening, they don't really know what happened to her. Right. She disappeared. Um, Like you said, it was believed she went to France, There's was believed to Paris, It's believed that she came back, may have died here, uh came back under a, a different identity. Nobody really knows what happened to her. And so, she never at least law-wise, never faced any um, punishment for her crimes against Mm -hmm. humanity. And and we don't even know how many people she actually did these things to because she just tried disposing. You know, she uh, killed a a slave who was a younger girl, and she tried burying and disposing the body of herself. And they found her, are trying to do this, and they fined her $300. (laughs) And then they they also charged her, I think she had to give up like nine slaves and pay the $300, and then she bought the nine slaves back. So that Mm -hmm. tells you about the justice system Mm -hmm. in this time that it was, you know, not fair, obviously. But that goes back to your point that is it because she was a socialite and had money that she was able to get away with these things for as long as she was able to get away with it? Because I find it very hard to believe that you walk by in front of a three-story mansion. You have all these slaves being tortured at the same time, and you don't hear a scream. You don't hear anything. And if you do, you don't speak up. I I find that to be highly uh, suspicious.
1: And folks, you're listening live to our show, Fright Talk, this evening on a special night. And we're discussing Madame Delphine Lalaurie. If you'd like to speak to us during this live podcast, call us at 347-539-5372. Again, that's 347-539-5372. And you can inbox your questions. You can send that to everydayfolkslistenatgmail.com. You can send it at frighttalkguysatgmail.com, and you can also send it to Nadim on his Instagram at ntabs. And you can also talk to us on fright talk too. So we have a lot of ways and options for you to speak with us. And 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 Nadim, I will tell you, there's some questions that are popping in. Interesting enough, um, I got to okay. share this one that just came in. Look at this. Ha ha ha. It says, Erica says. I heard that Nicolas Cage bought the La La Dee house in its new form years back. It went into foreclosure. Very interesting. Would you guys stay in a house, even if rebuilt, that holds such a dark history?
0: I don't have a problem staying in a haunted house, a house that's known to be haunted, a, a spirit that can't rest or something like that. I do have a problem staying in this house the same way. Um, there's Airbnb plantations. I wouldn't stay in one of those either, okay? okay? Just because it is morally wrong, and that that is not, it's just not right. Besides, obviously, because of the atrocious things that the darker part of the atrocious things that she did. But on top of that, there were slaves that were held in this house, and it's the same way. And they have those Airbnbs that exist on plantations, and I would not stay in those either for that exact mm. reason. I I don't know
1: if you agree with me or not, but that's how I I feel about it. I do. I mean, as great as it will be to be, you know, to be part of history. I don't want to be in that. I don't, I couldn't contribute. And interesting enough, yeah, Nicholas Cage did, I just did a quick search and Nicholas Cage did buy the house, but it was under another name. He put it under some other record name, like, you know, some trust. And then the house went into foreclosure and then he ended up having the bank seized it and and, and, in the property itself was seed so he bought it the property he bought the house at 3.45 3.45 million and then the property was valid at 3.5 and the foreclosed price brought it down to 2.3 and so it's interesting that i thought it was very interesting that he himself would buy that that was very interesting I, i'm very intrigued yeah he's like, he a very
0: peculiar uh person he I know is, that, you know you're right you, you know. are right you are he right he has a, like yeah. a, a large large which I, there's nothing wrong with that, because so do I. He has a very large and extensive comic book collection, yeah. and he's an interesting guy. He wanted to play Superman at one point years ago. They even fitted him for the Superman suit for a movie. So, But, yeah, he, he's an odd character. So, for me, it's not the haunting aspect. It's not that that part. It's the principle of I don't want to stay in a place where all these slaves were tortured. I, I right. don't know if beyond the day that I stay there, I don't know if I – that wouldn't sit right with me.
1: Yeah, I think – and even the thought of it's, – it, it's funny. Because you and I talked about it on the last episode. We were talking about visiting a space, right? And we mm-hmm. did it on a few other shows before. And why are those different, but this is even more different? You see – and I see where you're at because I'm trying to find a way to illustrate in words the difference. And the right. only thing I can summarize is this. I think that there's been such atrocity and such challenge. And this particular story, folks, we're not that far removed. She died in the 19th century, okay? And so she started doing her tirade. She was born in the late 18th century, but much of her life and her impact was during the 19th century. And if you do know your history in America, a lot was going on in America at that particular time. And she herself, and even New Orleans, almost like its own little country in that space as well. And I've had the pl- privilege of visiting New Orleans. I've visited once. And it's, it's such a... And I didn't go during um, Mardi Gras. I was actually there for Fraternity Conclave. <laughs> and so it was one of those moments where... I, and every time I go to a city, I want to take in a history tour, if I can, just to learn the space. Oh, my gosh. There's so much. I mean, L- La La Rie is just one of several <laughs> who frequent right. the lore of the community. And today... If I'm not mistaken, the Nadine, and I think we're talking about Lady. isn't the axe murderer somehow placed here too? Or am I in the wrong location? Yes. I'm not sure. Yes,
0: no, no, it's correct. Wow. And so it's so the right New Orleans
1: is definitely like a very magical place for, for these kinds of interesting cases.
0: Yeah, it's that Southern Gothic, you yeah. know. I, I know that you guys uh, have seen the, the – there's a uh, there's a particular – it's a plantation that has been used over and over again in so many films, Um Interview with the vampire is one of them uh, and, and it's, it's in New Orleans and it has those weeping willows. It's the long entryway to get to the mansion and stuff like that. So, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about the Southern Gothic and, and, and the South and New Orleans has a rich, rich history. Beautiful place. Been there before. Love the people, by the way. Very hospitable people. Very kind. I've been there before. Um, a, a, an amazing place with great people. Uh, but like any place, they, they do have their their history that, you know, it may not be as pleasant. I have a question here for you, Billy, from Kelly. She writes, what strikes me as odd about the ree story is the fact that she allegedly married a time before settling with her husband, hence her known last name. What's the history behind her life before marrying her last husband?
1: Mm, so we shared a little bit about this earlier. She married three times, and each of the men that she married, these were men of to-do of society. They, they were government officials, professionals. They were men who were not, she didn't just marry any. And that was also expected. We also have to acknowledge during this particular period, it is also expected that a woman would, especially of her background, find a suitor of similar sorts. To be able to, you know, bear family and and grow with and also be a staple in society. What's interesting, though, about the last husband is that everything that she's known for came to fruition during marriage number three. And this husband, even though they were estranged, estranged, you know, they had their strain on their relationship. He lived. He didn't die. The other two men died for whatever those causes were. And is in the third husband that, it, you know, the records show that he was at the house the day of the fire. Doesn't mean he was part of it, but he could have been there earlier. And then later that night, the townspeople began to do what they had to do, right? So mm-hmm. the time and, you know, the, the whole distance, he clearly didn't set a fire his own house and he didn't want to be there himself because they were already in, an, in a strange relationship where I believe he left the house. So he wasn't even staying at the house. And so, and even after her self-exile to France, <laughs> which is what yeah. people call it, it's alleged that he may he may have been in communication with her, that he may have assisted her. Because at the end of the day, he's still, she's she's his, uh, she was his wife and the father of some of her kids. So, um, strange situation, Kelly. And I would say, though, it's the number three, remember in symbolism and, and three in literature, with the witching hour, the day of atonement, of uh, the, the day of, of rising of Jesus. On the third day, he rose from the grave. We talked about these things before. The mystery of the number three, right? And it's interesting how on strike three, she's out, but strike three, so was the husband. He lived. So I find that all symbolic and
0: yet fascinating. Yeah, and, and I think the husband should have be, been held accountable as well. There's no way that man is in that house not knowing what is going on.
1: Hmm. But you know, Nadine, you could steal, and I agree with that, but you know what's interesting? There are some folk times. I mean, you could know someone. Look at all these cases like Ted Bundy. I mean, he yeah, you know, did go, go out and murder these women and then go home to his wife and family. And so these are examples of individuals who you just when you think you know someone, you really don't. And that could be so crushing. And you know what's more yeah. really interesting? For a woman to do this. I'd love right. to know her motive. And if anyone decided to take this on as a movie or production, uh, giving us a backdrop to humanize her story would make it more fascinating, if, more, if not more grim. So I, I'm fascinated to know more about her motive behind
0: this behavior. It's crazy. I mean, besides being sadistic, perhaps yeah. she just did it because she thought she could. You know, we we have to understand that If you are a person that you are okay with slavery and owning slaves, you already dehumanized human beings because you didn't see them as equal. Right. So how far is a stretch from dehumanizing and not seeing somebody as equal and seeing them as a slave at that time to saying I could do whatever I want with them?
1: Right, right. That's a good point. You know, I got a question coming in now. And just before I read that question, I want to remind everyone that we're you're listening live to the Fright Talk Guys here on Tuesday, March 23rd. And we're discussing Madame Delphine Lalari. And we're discussing her background, her incredible historical background, and also her impact on pop culture. If you want to email us, email us at everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com, frighttalkguys at gmail.com, or in tabs on Instagram. We'll, we'll keep with those. And our phone number is three four seven five three nine five three seven two. Again, that's three four seven five three nine five three seven two. And Zim, I had a question for you. This one came in from Brian. He says, "Good show. What do you think are essential ingredients required to make Madame's story come to film, go to film?"
0: Well, I, I <laughs> definitely think that there's. Yeah, that's a good question, Brian. Thank mm-hmm. you. I, I definitely think that there'll be an audience. Right. So I don't think it would be difficult to find uh, the audience. I think if you, I think it would be successful to make this come to life. I think it would be successful if you are writing this or directing it, if you can show the two sides, literally the, I'm a, a socialite, rich, respected in society, behind closed doors. I'm a monster. Right. So if somebody could do that successfully, I think that it would really tell the, the true story. And we know now that she's more she was more monster than human, right, um, because of the, the things she did. I think it's just having somebody willing to take up the project and do it. You know, I don't know why, Billy, there's a lot of historical – there's a lot of, as you know, there's a lot of horror in history. I feel that people – when, when they when they make a movie, sometimes they don't, or or they're writing a book, they don't let it stand for its authentic self of just being hor- horrific in its events in history, and they add to it. Some events are horrific enough that you don't need to add anything to it. You simply have to tell the story in the right way. And I think if somebody's willing to tell the story in the right way, it can most definitely bring this into fruition.
1: Mm. Uh, what do you think,
0: Billy? It's a very
1: good thought. All that was so good. Uh, essential ingredients. Number one, kill the special effects. So, Brian, if you are Agreed. a film indie, indie artist here or producer, and you're looking for some free ideas and content for your own stuff, we're only going to give you so much here on the show. But I got to share <laughs> this. One thing is kill the special effects. Yeah. Yes. It'd be not, you know, Witches and ghosts and all that, making them look cool. It's always cool to see their, their entrance to the storyline. However, go back to the, the to the arch the the, the 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 Hitchcock and the Poe examples where our mind played its inner the inner caverns in our of our mind played into that reality. So, going into that psychological thriller would make it interesting. Now, I would also say if you do a little hybrid of it, a mashup of, high, of a psychological with a little um, supernatural would make it even more compelling. But if we get so lost in the supernatural and then here we go, we have a new character, as much as I'd love it, but another character that we show a Halloween horror night, you know, so I don't think that should be our drive um, whenever we create these new characters, right? Let's create a story that really justifies the evil and let it resonate in our minds so much, Brian, that it'll keep us up and yet make us want another. So I think that's going to be the essential ingredient for this in other stories like hers.
0: Yeah, uh, and, and you know what, Billy? You raised an excellent point. Dixney on the CGI. You don't need it for this story. You don't. Yes. You don't. Yes. Let it stand yes. alone for what it is. All right, and, Billy. I have a and, question and on, Nadine, for you.
1: Nadine, hold on. And Brian, if you're looking for actors, we're here.
0: I uh, have listen. no problem
1: portraying a role if you need me, Brian. If you need Nadine, me, me. Nadine and me, we are here <laughs> for you. The fight Talk guys are ready, so beware.
0: (laughs) How many episodes have we mentioned? If you're listening out there, we want to be in a horror film. You let us know. We want to be in a horror film. Indie Artist, please hit us up and let us know. We are more than willing to. All right, I have a question here from Jacob, and you kind of answered it already, but we'll go through it. What's your take on the American Horror Story rendition of Madame Delphine during season Mm. three of The Coven? And I have to tell you, Billy, out of all the American Horror Stories, my favorite one is The Coven. So what is your take on Holly her? Kathy Bates, I believe, is a her.
1: Oh, I thought it was great. And I thought it was very clever. The entire storyline for season three was back. The backdrop was New Orleans. And the fact that you put the witches, it's already a magical voodoo, sorcery kind of yeah. place. And then you just add Madame in it. That was super cool. And what I thought also too, which I thought was great, not giving Madame superpowers or giving her some kind of super yeah. abilities. Having her face in the 21st century, her her misactions for her past. I thought that was great job, Ryan Murphy, for doing that. And, I mean, to the point where she was just reduced, sorry, folks, a spoiler to a head. That was hilarious. <laughs> and under the watch of a black woman, right? And right. so it was like, this is so clever. It just played on to so many things. To the point where i actually started feeling sorry for the lady <laughs> i started feeling sorry for madame in the movie in the show because of all this the, the sub layers and sub layers and sub layers of destruction and subjugation and oppression that she herself started to experience at the hands of these witches at different turns of events in the plot i thought it was superb
0: i thought it was excellent as well um i, I think they could have done a whole season on just her to be honest with you and i know yeah. that's not the american horror story style but i thought it was an amazing job that they did with her absolutely
1: well nadine you do i sent you a text a couple days ago how ryan murphy wants to do two seasons in one year to make up yes. for the last year of 2020 yes. So i'm curious and i know my call- they've been filming they've actually been feeling filming in the northeast and Macaulay Calkin is in there, and they, you know, folks have been spotting them, there are pictures being shown around town, and, and there is no telling if there's going to be a crossover of the two seasons. So mm-hmm. I'm very curious to see how that will unfold as well. But it is clear that there is an interest. We may see a double take. Instead of having an eight-week run or a ten-week run or a nine-week run, however many weeks that they run the, the show per week, we might see a good 12 or 18, double our pleasure. And I'm curious to see what they'll come up with.
0: Oh, that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. I'm a, you know, I'm still waiting for the other season to drop, so I'm very much looking forward to it. Hmm.
1: So I have one for you, right. it's from. Here's one for you. Here's for, this one from Jessica. She says, New Orleans is an amazing place. Have you guys visited? Even more so, have you had the chance to take a tour and learn about its rich culture? And if so, what did you learn during your visit?
0: So... I have been to New Orleans, actually a few times when I was younger. I don't rem— I do have a friend that lives in New Orleans, friends plural that live in New Orleans. Um, but I am pretty familiar, only because of the historical aspect. I'm pretty familiar with the historical aspect of New Orleans, and what's fascinating about it is it is a melting pot of cultures. Mm-hmm. And I I love any place that's a melting pot of cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not been since I was a kid. I did go a couple of times as a kid. I haven't been back as an adult, but I would love to go back and I would love to take tours and not just, you know, sometimes you take the tours and you go into like the touristy, you know, the Bourbon street and that sort of thing. Yeah. But I like to take, you know, the real tours, you know, show me the oldest cemetery and that sort of thing. Like I'd be very curious to do that. And um, I know that, New Orleans has a, a very rich history, and and cultural uh, history is, is very rich as well. So, I yeah, I would love to, like, dive right in and and get to know as much of it as possible um, next time I go. Billy, what about you? I don't know when, when was the last time you've been there. I think you were there uh, a long, long time ago. Was, well, I would say ago? a
1: good 15 years ago, so, okay. you know, when I was 12, and so I was there. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And so, um, I will say this though, um interesting. I went on the tour that I went on. They took us on They took us on a tour like the cemeteries, and the cemeteries there are quite interesting and fascinating. You know some, they have lots of vaults above ground. they themselves are great pieces of architecture and spookiness at the same time. And while there, I got to witness a a, a New Orleans um, funeral, a processional with bands mm, going down mm, the street. And I found that so mark. fascinating to the point where they're like, oh, come join. I'm like, oh, so this is a, a celebration. And that's not something you will ever see in South Florida, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, I mean, that just won't happen. We'll be sweating in the heat, okay? And, and <laughs> very yet, it just won't happen in South Florida. I don't think even in Georgia, okay? But, you know, notice, noticing how folks just engage with that, I was so fascinated. And there were so many others Folklore stories. I want to call them folklore because there's there's no evidence to support them But there's so many other sub layer folklore stories Madame's name only came up once or twice in my entire once in my entire visit there and Partly that was because I asked but there were so many other things going on that I think would be neat for a deep a deeper dive into the culture there and so and also too it's thrived a lot ever since hurricane was Katrina Um, That Mm -hmm. went through there. Yeah. There's been Mm -hmm. a lot that's happened over there, a revival. There's even Bravo's moved in there, and they have the Southern Charm show was airing through there. So there's been a a revival of the South. I'm seeing the Oprah's doing that as well in Mississippi. She actually has a show on OWN for women entrepreneurs in Mississippi, and it it takes off the take. It has a, a spin. Um, just like Real Housewives, but these are real women reviving their city. And most, almost all but one were born there. And so the South is becoming a whole new form of Gothic. And it's quite interesting. <laughs> it definitely yeah. is.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, and, and kudos to the people of New Orleans for their resilience. Yes, indeed. indeed. After Hurricane Katrina. Indeed. Mad props indeed. to them. Absolutely. Uh, all right. I have a question here for you from Dana what gets under your skin more, knowing that you have a, a covert criminal living next door, or knowing of someone's criminal activity, activity after he or she has returned to civility to live a peaceful life. Interesting. What irks you more, Billy, knowing that the criminal is there doing their thing, or them trying to come back incognito?
1: I think living covertly, the first, you know, the the, the former, because. I, I mean, it's worse to discover these things about people. It's just like, for instance, you know, we're hearing different things in the news about certain celebrities or certain political figures who are highly revered for their hard work. And all of a sudden they did something crazy. And so when that happens, it's kind of like, dang, you, you did all that and flushed it down a toilet. And so I think that's very crushing, not just that it's a criminal act. It's very crushing because these individuals were so held to such high regard in society. Whereas the person who's trying to make this—I mean, I see that you and I see this all the time, you know—in in, in higher education, especially, I have students who come who were incarcerated, who are coming back to school and trying to better their lives. I never ask their circumstance; don't need to know. All those that they've been—they've been acquitted of their opportunity in some way, and they're trying to make amends and move forward with the—you know—with the in, the in the shadows of from the shadows of their past. So I—I I don't have a problem with that and i i try not to judge folks in that regard and it's it, so i just think it's dangerous it's more dangerous to be covert it is yeah what about you what do I, you I think
0: i i agree about the the covertness because you already have something criminal going on and then on top of that the the whole you know hidden aspect of it yeah it's kind of it's almost like a double whammy you know and i'm not saying i mean obviously you know criminals aren't going to be like hey i'm a criminal neon stein but the fact that you're trying to blend in as if what you're doing is normal, there's something wrong with that, right? Because you know what you're doing ain't right, but you're still yeah. trying to act like if what you're doing is right, like you're like you are the average citizen, right? So mm-hmm. I, I agree with you on that one. I think the covertness would actually irk me quite a bit,
1: and perpetuating the cycle. When you look at the idea that these people, were, you know, these individuals who do these things covertly, that they do in an act of repetition so much of the same crime, that's a serial killer. That's <laughs> and right. And so, or a psychopath one, or C, yeah. all of the above. I think it's very, I think that was a great question. That was a really good question because it really makes us think, and, and Dana, thank you for that. That was good.
0: Yeah, excellent question.
1: Hey, Dadeen, I got one for you. This one's from Denver. Hey, Denver. I find it strange that Delphine outlived her first two husbands. What Mm. do you think happened to them, really?
0: Well, hard to tell. And thank you, by the way, Denver, one of our loyal listeners and always writing in questions, and we appreciate it so much. Um, So hard to tell because the first husband did die in Havana, Cuba. That we know for a fact. Could she have... Poisoned him, maybe, and by the time he or maybe gave him something to have while he was there, a medicine, sent him with the medicine, he had it poisoned, died. It's possible. It's suspect. Okay, so I find it suspect anybody who is married multiple times and has multiple spouses that die, It could just very well be bad luck. The universe, you know, doesn't have things in your favor. Possible. But in her case, now that we know what we know about her, I mean, you can't put anything past her. That's the truth. If she was willing to do the horrible things that she did, what's to say that she didn't pack in his suitcase some form of medicine and say, hey, take this if you're not feeling well, and it'd be poison? And he took it with him to Havana, drank it in Havana, died in Havana. There's no way to know. That for sure. And I'm pretty sure at that time they probably didn't do any type of toxicology in depth enough to find out. But I agree with Denver. There is something highly suspect about, you know, we know that you're a murderer and your first two husbands die. It's almost it's too coincidental. Yeah, it
1: is. It is. And. What's interesting is that one lived, and unfortunately, there is nothing more that we know of him than what we know of him, and and I wish there could be some other story, some other turn of events, or artifacts that would surface. Uh, but but I, I read Denver. I think that she was. This was if you put her in the words of today, Nadine, she knew how to swerve, right? Yep. And yep. how to find herself in you know like the come up you know, how to find herself in better circumstances to support herself and her family. And it, it's just, and, 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 find a way out. I would have been okay with that had she not done all the other crazy stuff. Right. And so, yeah. I mean, we saw Scarlett O'Hara and going with the wind. We've seen all the examples of where you know, the women in that society and how the, you know, blacks were treated, but then we get images, very impressive images of what life was like in the South for the, for the privileged. And so here mm. she came from this stuff, folks. This is a, and, and it's kind of sad that at the very end, these are folks who were loyal to her. And America was evolving. You know, slavery and things were still around, but it, there were remnants and J- Jim Crow reminding folks of everything else that they can and cannot do. I think that what happened here in this particular situation, she just took advantage even more of the situation. Yeah. And, and who knows? I think she took advantage of her husband. I really think she did. I mean, what happened to the last one? And every time she, she married here, you know, the timeline that she married these, these people were, they were crazy. I mean, she moved on to the next, and these marriages were were not long. They were short-lived, you know, so so literally interesting, very interesting yeah. story.
0: Billy, I have a question here, and we're going to get a little deep in a minute, okay? Okay. Samson says, Madam Story reinforces the cruelty and mistreatment of slaves in America. Do you think there will be more stories or movies about such instances? Is the world ready for such a production?
1: It is. It is, Samson. It is so ready because we're we're eager. We're hungry for something new in horror. We're hungry for these new opportunities. We're hungry for a new generation to embrace opportunities. And as I said earlier in the show, I think the more we start looking at the the, the social and eco, the socioeconomic and social and historical backdrops of our own locales, we'll begin to see more opportunity. And so I, And it doesn't matter if the state or the location is, is, is Hollywood friendly. They can reproduce things in a studio. But I yeah. think that in this particular case, there is an opportunity for investment into the unknown and, 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 and new, and it, and it doesn't take much because it's already what's known right now. Every house, every historical building in society has a story, and if we took yeah. those stories, we can pry together right here in our own backyard. Right, Nadine? There's a whole bunch of space between this county and Broward County or the tri-county area. Let's say that there is enough history here from Ernest Hemingway's house all the way to the Stranahan house over here on Los Olas that we can pull out some history here and really make for some fine, great storylines, whether it be for writing, written, production on stage, or even on the silver screen.
0: Yeah. And, you know, uh, Samson, first of all, it's an excellent question. And mm-hmm. in the portion of your question where we're talking about the, the slavery aspect of it, um, like we said before, there's a lot of things that happen throughout just the U.S. history that are horrific within itself and definitely and obviously slavery is one of those. Now there are movies that are not in the horror category, but to me are horrific to watch 12 years a slave was horrific movie to watch. It was well done. Excellent movie, excellent acting. What was, which was originally a book. What was horrific about it? That it's a true story. That's the horrific aspect about it. And so I think that, um, you know, we have to understand that when it comes to horror and when it comes to true stories that have happened in history, we live in a world that is desensitized to a point, right? And when it comes to that, those things being desensitized, we say, okay, well, slavery happened, folks. It's not a myth. We know what happened. However, it's harder to watch when they're doing the recreation of these things. And in LaLaurie's case, you had two horrible things happening. You had the slavery component, and you had the torture and the killing component at the same time. So yeah. I think, as Billy said, you could definitely do a production about this, and you can do it authentic. And it would be horrific just telling the true story of it. Mm. And
1: folks, you're listening live to Billy and Nadimi on Fright Talk on our, on a special evening for this week. And we're discussing Madame Delphine Lalaurie, and we're discussing her incredible storyline and its impact on pop culture. If you'd like to speak with us in this last run of 15 minutes or fewer, you can call us at 347-539-5372. Again, that's 347-539-5372. You can inbox us as you're continuing to do so everyday folks listen at gmail.com frighttallguys at gmail.com or in tabs on instagram and the dean i got something for you and denver has resurfaced denver has returned denver <laughs> all right denver <laughs> what's the worst? what's worse a man a madman or a mad woman who inflicts more pain or harm
0: hmm. <laughs> um i what do i find to be i mean mm-hmm. A mad woman. A mad woman. I, I definitely think so because, and we discussed this before, even though you'll find more serial killer stories of men, the serial killer stories you find of women are, to me, my opinion, that much more horrific. Don't look any further than the actual case that we're discussing today. Right? So... I, for me, I would have to say uh, a mad woman would be scary. And just if you look at history and you look at some historical figures that have been in charge of a lot of European countries, they were not well. They did a lot of crazy things. So, Billy, what about you? Mad woman, mad man.
1: Mad people. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, and let me also add something here. You know, We're living at a time when folks being gender fluid and gender neutral is also invited. Imagine if we start getting stories or or antagonists of any type, whether they be real or fiction, that now fit those identities. Hmm. So now we have a mad person, a mad individual, a mad entity. And I think that's frightening all the same. But i do say that having a woman we talked about this in our last episode in the spirit of women's history month there's nothing worse than a woman scorned and so because mm-hmm. people underestimate the power of the female mind and her ability Correct. and that is scary i mean man we, we we have testosterone so whether we're killing someone or we're punching a punching bag in the gym we have it's almost like justified because of who we are biologically that justifies our ex- asserting our energies in those spaces. Whereas well, as for a woman, that's not what she's known for. She's known for her maternalistic aspects and her nurturing nature, but not all women are that way. And this one, however, Madame was, <laughs> at least we, she, she bared children and had several husbands. So one would think that she was of quality of, or substantial value to someone or something. But we know the reality.
0: Billy, do you think, follow-up question, Billy, do you think that she was underestimated, Madam LaLaurie? Absolutely, because, she, because
1: of the fact that she was, she was pretty, she was articulate, she was graceful, all the qualities that would serve as an excellent mask to a perfect crime. And yep. so I absolutely think that she was full, fully knew how to play her part and play those roles to do the unthinkable.
0: I, I agree with you. I agree with mm-hmm. you. I have a question here for you, Billy, from Max. Mm-hmm. Was Lawlery a witch? What drove her to do those crazy acts? Um, I mean, <laughs> I never, in my research, I didn't come across anything that would lead me to believe she was a witch, even though she was in the coven portion of American Horror Story she's portrayed. But, um, I mean, we are talking about New Orleans. There's a lot of different crafts. That go on in New Orleans then and now, so I guess it's a possibility. But we've had the show before, where we've discussed witches, and witches are not witches are or do not get portrayed correctly because witches are not the violent beings that Lawlery it was.
1: Right, I agree, and I think. The only reason why the the witch aspect comes in because of the location it's associated itself to voodoo there's the whole darker reaches in the territory the creole in the universe there so that adds to the magical aspects of what that could be for her and it's interesting she wasn't known for apothecary i mean well she tried (laughs) she tried weird experiments with some of her slaves and that didn't work out very well and so but to call or dub her a witch i actually think that would be giving her a compliment because yep. which is in many cases, especially which is, you know, we respect the Wiccan culture. We respect that's our right. colleagues. We talked about witches right. that last September, right? Yes, me? yes, so sir. We did. And I, we respect our Wiccan colleagues and, and family and, 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 and members. So I don't think that La Lalari was deserving of such a title. So no, Max, I don't I think. What drove her to do these things, we don't know. And that's where the Hollywood or whoever wants to produce a movie on this. Could take advantage of that, given the motive and the behind the scenes and the inner workings of the caverns and remind of her mind, what that would justify those crazy acts.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think that you know with, witches don't do the things that Lallory did. Witches, right. In, right. in 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 through history, witches are actually good people, were uh, and are because we know witches that are still practiced today and they are good people and uh, they just get a bad rap through, uh, you know, pop culture or whatever, but they, she does most definitely does not fit. Lottery does not fit into that category at all.
1: And Nadim, our last question is from George. He says, bravo for this show. Does true evil really die or does it manifest into a new form?
0: I don't think, as long as you have a world, you're going to have evil. It's not to say that there's more bad people than good, because I actually believe that there's more good in the world than there is bad. But evil is something that has always kind of existed. Um, And I, uh, Lollary disappears. She did evil things. Another person will appear after her and do terrible things, unfortunately, as well. I don't think maybe her evil died, the evil within her, because she died at some point. We know she died. We just don't know when or where, but we know she died. Um, but can it manifest into someone else? I think people who are evil because they do terrible, evil things, that manifests within themselves. And unfortunately, because we live in the world we live in, evil. there's always going to be evil and there's always going to be good. What do you think, Billy? What is your take I, on evil manifesting itself?
1: I think it does. True evil can die. Because, I mean, look at Hitler. Look at other examples right. of individuals who have not moved on. And, let you know, now I'm going to throw another, Castro. You know, Castro was not yeah. a pleasant guy. But yet That's he right. has family, and, you know, family members and descendants who still live on. So I think, like being said, things live within those individuals. And... I do feel though we can manifest things if we continue to you know to think it. So for instance, if I keep thinking that something bad is going to probably happen, it probably will at some point because I keep bringing it, or willing it mm-hmm. a willing to into existence. So, right, for right. That is a great question and and, yeah. and really thought provoking. Thank you for that. And, and indeed, we got to thank these callers. This was so good. It was such this impressive was a this was You know, Lovely. it really was. And we want to encourage everyone that our next show, we're going to be returning on April 9th, Friday, April 9th at 7 p.m. for our regular scheduled time for a our Fright Talk, the first Friday of April for scary spring break stories. That's going to be super cool because, you know, Nadim here is, is about to embark upon a break for his, of his own, and so it's going to be super exciting to hear what many of you have to say related to that. So whether it be screen break while you're currently in school, you're an educator, or better, you took one while you're in college, we love to hear your stories. And then later, yeah. April 23rd, we're going to be focusing on Jeffrey Dahmer. Thus it Oh, yeah.
0: That's going to be exciting. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so April's going to be spring, folks, and we are springing into gear with some true horror.
0: And, guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for all the questions and all the love. Please remember to follow us on Instagram at Fright Talk Guys. We, we really appreciate all the support and all the love you guys have thrown our way. And also remember, we have so many hours of recorded podcast episodes. So if you enjoyed what you heard today and you haven't heard all of our sets, go back and listen to all of our sets. Billy, I don't even know what show number this is. Man, I lost, I lost count. <laughs> I've lost count. No, I can tell you this. It's around 15 hours of content, okay, right. or approaching 15 hours of content. So if you heard uh, today's episode and you enjoyed it, please go back. You know we're on Google Play and iTunes. And and hear the other shows, and you can always reach out to us. We thank you so much, and uh, we appreciate it, and we hope you guys are staying safe out there.
1: Take care, all. Until ne- Until next time.